personal life in the mainstream society. I travel the world with our children and try to raise eco-conscious goals. Join me for authentic conversation, adventure, and of course, coffee. Welcome to the Wild Bradbury Podcast. This week, we are going to talk about the brief in and outs of what all goes into having a home birth. Uh, That is an aspect of our life and marriage that we, we mention very casually, quite regularly, because it's, it's been an ongoing thing here in this baby making phase of our lives. And People ask questions when they have them, but more times than not, I meet couples that say things like, oh, I'd love to have a home birth, um, and I think I can do it naturally, but I really want the safety net of a hospital with my first baby. And so like that is an incredibly common thing to hear. Matter of fact, I hear it so regularly that I just nod and smile, and, and I kind of direct them towards my husband because... My husband is the reason we had our first child in a hospital. <laughs> and so he always says, oh, yeah, I was the same way. I, I needed that safety net. I just wasn't ready. But you're never really ready in home births either, which uh, can can sound very sketchy. But it's um, so much of a home birth is trusting the process. And if you can trust your body, trust the process and the timing of baby, then you are fully capable of having a home birth. With all with all the other fears set aside, those are the things that are the underlying constants of confident home birthing families. Trusting the process, trusting the timing, trusting your body, right? But as we prepare for our last home birth, I am not ready at all. <laughs> which I think, I don't know, I guess on, on delivery number five, I thought that I would be so prepared and I am just so not prepared. I mean, physically I'm ready. Baby's ready. Um, physically presence wise in the house, we have our birth supplies. We are quote unquote air quotes ready, but mentally I'm just too busy to even even kind of sort of think about it right now. And that comes with just having numerous other small children in the house, which brings me to my next little insert here. Normally I record on Sunday afternoons uh, with the hopes that my husband can just like barricade the door and keep all the kids outside for 30 minutes or so, so I can record. But those days are going to be gone uh, very, very soon for us. In fact, yesterday I just did not feel like talking to myself. I even said to him, I'm just tired of no one responding. I'm tired of talking to myself. And he's like, people are responding. People will respond. You know, you need to keep it up. And I was like, oh, it's not about not keeping it up. It's just today I don't feel like talking to myself. I don't feel like pulling inspiration out of thin air. And sometimes that's what it is. It's what podcasting can be. Um, 
so I didn't record yesterday, even though I had ample opportunity to utilize his presence to keep the kids out of the house so I don't have to edit every square second of this recording. But that's not my reality. My reality is not quiet. My reality is that I'm almost never alone, which I prefer. I can't stand to be alone now, actually. Um, and my, my reality is very loud. It's very busy around here. We are not a quiet family. We are always up to something. Someone's always doing something. And usually those someones are doing something completely different and everyone's running in to show me or coming in to, to tattle on somebody. And it's loud around here. And once um, little sister's born here in a few days, weeks, whatever, she will probably be on the boo while I'm recording, you know, so it's never going to get more quiet than it was last week. And then there will come a day when no one wants anything to do with me. So I'm not going to barricade the door. They're outside. The three-year-old just tapped on the window because he knows I'm in here. Uh, I just heard someone riding rollerblades through the kitchen. So I know who that was. And the third one is, and I don't know what he's doing, probably playing with neighbors because they all just got out of school. But here's the thing. Life is really messy. And whether that be because of the amount of children you have or your job or the amount of things you're trying to juggle or the level at which you adult, which for some of us is very intense and that alone is messy, or whether it be because you're birth plans are up in the air at this point. You think you are capable of doing X, Y, Z, and that's what you want to attempt. How supportive is the other, is the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to talk briefly about what all goes into having a home birth from the logistical side today. The mental side is entirely about trusting your body, trusting the process and trusting the timing. But, and, and if you can't get there mentally, you will struggle to have a successful home birth. But there's lots of little pieces that go into being prepared, so to speak, for baby to be born in your home, depending upon what kind of birth you have. And I'm going to delve into that because I don't think I've ever really talked about the details and what that looks like. So as I've mentioned before, I think our first Lux was born in a hospital in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, I I wanted more than anything to have an unmedicated vaginal delivery. I had zero desire to go to the hospital and waited almost too long to leave. My husband was completely convinced that we needed the hospital. He is raised by people in the medical field, siblings that went into the medical field. He gets a prescription for everything. <laughs> so he is not naturally minded whatsoever. Um, he wasn't then. I showed up to the hospital 44 minutes before I had our oldest son, Lux, and it was unmedicated and it was vaginal and it went, you know, more smooth than not. I would say it was the perfect birth plan for someone who didn't know any better. But later, later, I would get home with my new baby, and as the days, weeks, months passed, I realized that it wasn't really the experience I wanted. 
Yes, it ultimately would according to plan. I had a vaginal delivery. I had, it was unmedicated, but there was things that did not go well at all that were lingering, that I had residual questions about. Um, Like being told not to push, which is just the most frustrating thing when you are having a natural birth because your body's doing it involuntarily. So for you to fight your body makes it all the more painful and all the more challenging. Um, To be told I have to constantly get back in bed because they don't have enough monitoring time on me. Those kind of things were so frustrating later. And yes, I'm just being a a complete birthy snob right now because so many women, their their births go completely crazy and the whole plan goes AWOL. And you would give anything probably to just have an unmedicated vaginal birth. But there was things later that I'm like, what I remember from the birth is people telling me what to do with my body and my baby. Being woken up every two hours, not because he was hungry, but because they had to take my vitals and they had to do this and they had to do that. Those kind of things drove me crazy looking back on the birth, trying to write my birth story. And... When we went to have our second son, Rhodes, in Florida, uh, two years later, I started looking into hospitals again, knowing that home birth was an option and knowing my husband wasn't really on board. So, but at that point, our very first birth, my very first baby was five hours or seven hours from start to finish. From first contraction, the baby was seven hours. So... I really didn't intend for it to get slower. (laughs) And when we were looking at, at what point I said, okay, now I need to go to the hospital. That would put me delivering on the side of the road in Florida, potentially. (laughs) So we started looking into home birth and our very first home birth experience was not fabulous. We had a, an awful midwife. Um, luckily I am an internal laborer and I really don't need anybody's support until the last few minutes and after I mean, she, I, she was a horrible midwife, but, but that's what really neither here nor there because I still had my vaginal unmedicated in the tub, in the birthing tub, which was really an inflatable swimming pool in our master bedroom. Um, and I got to crawl into my bed afterwards and I got to eat what I wanted afterwards and during, and I got to love on my toddler who had never spent the night away from me. That part was so lovely. So I, I cannot recommend that experience enough. If you are someone who is having babies really close together, if you're tandem nursing, if your toddler has never been away from you. If you've never needed or wanted to be away from them, if you overall have uncomplicated low-risk pregnancies, home birth is the way to go. There's nothing sweeter than life kind of just resuming back to your new normal once everyone's cleared out. Our third was the most amazing home birth, and he... I just went into labor and an hour and 40 minutes he was there and I had him on the back patio of our our screened-in patio in North Carolina. 
And it was just so smooth. It was just really almost no big deal. Other than the fact that we were bringing another life into the world, the whole experience was so chill. And the goal is to replicate that with this baby. But there's a whole lot of things that you need for a home birth, which I also hear people get hung up about. Um, a lot of times someone will be like, I just don't know if I can check my own vitals or if I can, you know, we, what, what kind of equipment do you need? What does the midwife bring? And people have so many questions when it comes to home birth. Here's the thing. Most birthless are similar, supplyless. Most midwives require the same things or something very similar. To give you an idea, um, Usually they want somewhere in the six to 10 towels available, like old towels range, mostly to clean up messes, to get you out of a birthing tub to wrap baby in, uh, about six receiving blankets. And when I say receiving, I mean like the, the weird scratchy ones that you could wipe your car down with that you get at Walmart, you know, like the cheap ones you can buy in a three or four pack. Uh, you also need things like olive oil bottles of olive oil to help protect your perineum and, or your, in my case, upwards, your labia and clitoris to help buffer the way, um, Vaseline or some sort of lubricant for similar things and checking baby's temp and all the, you know, all that, whatever you need it for, uh, Motrin for those postpartum contractions, which in my opinion are far, far worse than labor contractions themselves. You also need things like a cookie sheet, a baking sheet, which is one of my favorite, most bizarre birth supply list items. Because in theory, so the cookie sheet comes into play if the baby needs to be resuscitated or CPR needs to be done. It acts as a flat surface. They put a heating pad on it and then a receiving blanket and it acts as a firm surface to do compressions against. You need lots of plastic, whether that be flannel-backed or felt-backed um, tablecloths, you know, like uh, what you what your mom had on the table growing up for holidays. Um, I also go get extra plastic from Dollar Tree, like extra plastic tablecloths, latex gloves, a suction bulb, a tape measure, a digital thermometer, things of that nature. Um, in order to prep the bed, this is always my husband's first and essentially only job. Like once that's done, he can move about the cabin and <laughs> come check on me and, and help in, in some other way. But when I go into labor, I task my husband with prepping the bed, which is essentially uh, two old sets of sheets that you don't care about one way or another, with a plastic in between, whether it be a plastic mattress protector or a tarp or a tablecloth or what have you. We call this the plastic sandwich. And that's essentially what we're doing, making a plastic sandwich with old sheets. The idea is that you don't care about these sheets, same with the towels and the receiving blankets. Uh, with our second son, most of it did come clean, like once it had been washed a few times. But it's really not worth trying to get it clean. So here's the deal. I went on our, I don't know if you've heard of buy nothing, but we have a neighborhood buy nothing page. And on that buy nothing page, I just asked for any old tattered sheets, ones you've used for paint backdrops, 
or, or what have you, decorations, anything that you are not going to put on your bed anymore that's taking up space, I will gladly take. And I ended up getting like 14 sets of sheets. So we have tons of sheets to prep the bed with. We have sheets enough to line a path from the back patio to our bedroom with, to cover the carpet with. We have tons and tons of sheets. So wherever I choose to lay down, we can just throw a sheet over the couch if I don't make it back to the bedroom. We can throw, um, we can cut the sheets up any which way we choose. And I have guilt-free ability to just roll them up and throw them in a trash bag and get rid of them when it's all said and done. So uh, I highly recommend you searching and asking your neighbors for sheets or old towels or anything of that nature. Also, you'd be surprised how many women take home extra birth supplies after they have babies from the hospitals because things you, you need that come in a birthing kit. In this case, I've had two midwives that had me order the birthing kit from Precious Arrows which is a company out of North Carolina who fills home birth kit needs. So they supply things like latex gloves in certain sizes, um, birth certificate kits, uh, foot inking kits, the tape that you measure baby's circumferences with, thermometers, vitamin K drops. If you're not doing a hospital birth, you also have to consider whether or not you're vaccinating. So if you are vaccinating, you can either do a shot or the vitamin K drops at home or not, how, whatever, but they do, they do supply the, they sell the drops through that website. Um, they also have things like Chuck's pads that are the blue ones that they set underneath you. Cause after you have a baby, you gush quite a bit for the first, you know, 48 hours. And so that, that helps tremendously mesh underwear, which are, you know, like the holy grail of postpartum. And the hospital supplies all of those things. You're ultimately paying for it. Someone is one way or another, but they are great things to have at home too. Would you survive without it? Absolutely. But it's nice to have. So for this baby, I collected all those old sheets. I have one towel and six receiving blankets because I don't intend to have water births, so I don't really need extra towels. The cookie sheet, a heating pad, olive oil, um, out rubbing alcohol. And then I ordered my little birth kit from Precious Arrows, which has the bare basics for the postpartum care side. So latex gloves, chucks pads, measuring tape, suction bulb, digital thermometer, um, mesh underwear, and some humongous pads, like uh, maxi pads. So those are some of the things that you need to have available and at the ready when baby comes. But otherwise, if you want to have a water birth, you would need a plastic tarp to set an inflatable pool on. The pool you could rent from your midwife. More than likely, they have one you can rent, which is a little higher and more industrial looking than getting a kiddie pool off of Amazon, but that's also an option. And then in that case, if you rented one, you would just buy a pool liner, which you can also get through Precious Arrows. So it's really been streamlined. I know it sounds complicated. It sounds like a lot. Right now we have all of our birth supplies in 
one big tote and a laundry basket in our office spare bedroom area. And that's it. It's super uneventful, that, that part of it. Now, when we say go, when I say, okay, I'm officially in labor, then my husband will make the, the bed sandwich with all the sheets and the plastic. Uh, I will have him make a path from the backyard where I intend to give birth through the house with all these old sheets. That's a perfect job for our younger kids to do to help them feel included and like they're really helping in the process because they are, but they can't really mess it up either, you know, so that's a great option. You need to have snacks on hand for the midwifery team if you end up being in labor for a very long time. Um, at this point, going on our fourth, our third home birth, uh, our house is always well equipped with food because my kids never stop eating. So unless I go into labor on grocery day and can't get there, <laughs> there will be plenty of food or we'll just send someone out to get food. It'll be fine. Those are things you just don't have to think about. I would say have a spare spare brand new, a new toothbrush in the house just in case the midwife has to stay or feels the need to brush her teeth. Chances are if she's worth her weight at all, she's not going to give two flips about brushing her teeth. It's just a nice little accommodation aspect if you can remember to do so. With that being said, there are really nothing, there's really nothing else that's super complicated. You do need to set up like a, a transfer strategy. So in our case, we are in Pacific Beach, San Diego right now. If I need to be transferred, we'll go to Scripps La Jolla Memorial Hospital up the road Never been there, never registered there. We'll go in through whatever, the Women's Center or the ER or I don't know, what have you. But the idea is that you're paying your midwife to to see situations before their emergencies. Okay, and that's a that's a huge thing. And I will say, coming from the doula aspect of it, though it's definitely not as intense as being carrying the liability insurance and worrying about the life or death scenarios. When you're not emotionally invested in a pregnancy and you can step back and see how it's progressing and see the different avenues that it might turn down, it's not that hard to see the transfer coming or see the ultimate in situation or what this might look like 30 or 45 minutes from now etc. So that's why I say trust the process because the midwives are trained to do this. These are the same midwives that you are seeing at hospital, essentially. If they are certified nurse midwives, then they have a nursing degree before midwifery school. You also have CPMs, certified practicing midwives. You have LCMs, licensed LNMs, licensed nurse midwives. <laughs> you have a few different options, and the legality is really dependent upon what state you're in. Florida has some very serious liability laws in regards to home birth and midwifery, so it's definitely more strict. North Carolina only allows CNMs to practice midwifery, but there's a humongous CPM underground delivering babies there. Um, out here, my midwife is a CNM, and she's lovely. And you just, I don't know, I can't can't sing the praises of it enough. 
I will say that insurance does not cover home birth. And that's really a hang up for a lot of people. At this point, I could never go back to having a hospital birth unless I had no other choice. So it is something we choose to pay for out of pocket. And that price has been different each and every delivery. And it's been worth it each and every time, at least for me. (laughs) My husband might say something different, but um, it is an experience that I would never want to forfeit. There's not really a dollar amount that would deter me from delivering outside of the hospital. Some insurance will cover um, a birth center. Military insurance, TRICARE, does cover birth centers and midwives at birth centers. So that's a great option if you are not sure if you're ready to have a home birth and you want that safety net of you know being with a birth center that has rights or is attached to a hospital. It's also a great option if you're not willing to pay for it out of pocket. But I hope desperately that if you are on the fence or if one of you is on the fence, that knowing that home births are more successful than not and the statistics of a home birth success in mortality rates, in tearing rates, in recovery rates is stupendously higher than the hospital. Um, it, it, hopefully it will help deter you from going the hospital route if you are a low risk, fully capable adult female, you know, as, as long as you think you can handle it, you should absolutely go for it. I mean, right now my kids have a viewing area staged in the backyard where they think I'm delivering with all their little chairs set up. It is so sweet. And I don't think there's no other experience that you could give your children that is similar to watching when their siblings be born. So I am really looking forward to this birth and we officially have everything we need in the house. I'm just mentally too busy to think about it too long. So this was a great conversation for me too, because I get to go more in depth with my, my own psyche and and remember all the things I love about it and why it's so wonderful and why we ought to do it again and again. I'm prepping for my last baby, folks. So my husband says, so we are trying to savor the days and the weeks and the moments and trying to include the kids the best we can in the process. So that way, those that are old enough to remember truly get an experience worth having as well as for me and my spouse. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you later.